um, just to say I omitted to do this wee thank you. It's um, from Gemma and her husband just to say um, thank you so much for sharing on our special day with us. How lovely and for your lovely gift. It was appreciated. Honor will get so much use out of all the lovely things in her fantastic hamper. Thank you. Also, thank you for the awesome morning to celebrate honor, the warm welcome, the worship, and the word were thoroughly enjoyed by ourselves and all our families and friends. Love, Gemma and Joe, and uh, Joe slash Alan. I think we just call him Ali Joe, okay? <laughs> Tell him I've christened him as Ali Joe, okay? So um, there, that's where we'll go. Haggai chapter two, friends, and we're gonna read that together as well this morning. Technology is great if you can work it. Chapter 2 says this, On the 21st day of the seventh month, the word of the Lord came through the prophet Haggai. Speak to Zerubbabel, son of Seltiv, um, governor of Judah, and to Joshua, son of Zadak. Why could they not have just been called Fred and Henry and all of those? But anyway, he was a high priest. And to the remnant of the people, ask them, Who of you is left who saw the house in its former glory? How does it look to you now? Does it not seem to be like nothing? But now be strong, Zerubbabel declares the long. Lord, be strong, Joshua, son of Jodak, high priest. Be strong, all the people of the land, declares the Lord. And work, for I am with you, declares the Lord Almighty. This is what I've covenanted with you when you came out of Egypt, and my spirit remains among you. Do not fear. This is what the Lord Almighty says, In a little while I once more will shake the heavens and the earth, the sea and the dry land. I will shake all the nations. What is desired by all nations will come. I will fill the house with glory, says the Lord Almighty. The silver is mine, the gold is mine, declares the Lord Almighty. The glory of this present house will be greater than the glory of the former house, says the Lord Almighty. And in this place I will grant peace, declares the Lord Almighty. On the 24th day of the ninth month, in the second year of Darius, the word of the Lord came to the prophet Haggai. And this is what the Lord Almighty says. Ask the priests what the law says. If someone ca carries consecrated meat in the fold of their garment and touches, um, the fold touches some bread or stew or wine, olive oil or other food, does it become consecrated? And the priest answered, no. Then Haggai said, if a person defiled by contact with a dead body touches one of these things, does it become defiled? Yes, the priest replied, it becomes defiled. Then Haggai said, so it is with the people in this nation of my sight, declares the Lord. Whatever they do and whatever they offer, there is defiled. Now give careful thought to this from this day on. Consider how things were before one stone was laid on another in the Lord's temple. When anyone came to a heap of 20 measures, there were only 10. When someone came to a wine vat to draw 50 measures, there were only 20. I struck all the work of your hands with blight, mildew and hail, yet you did not return to me, declares the Lord. From this day on, from this 24th day of the ninth month, give careful thought to the day when the foundations of the Lord's temple was laid. Give careful thought. Is there yet a seed left in the barn? Until now, the vine and the fig tree, the pomegranate and the olive tree have not borne fruit. 
but from this day on, I will bless you. And the Lord will bless the reading of his holy word. Father, this morning, we just thank and praise you for your goodness and your mercy and your grace. And Lord, today we just ask you, Lord, that you would help your servant to bring this word, to bring encouragement to our hearts. In Jesus' precious name, amen and amen. Now, I know that a couple of weeks ago, um, Nigel looked at chapter one from the aspect of life groups. And during the week at our midweek, um, we were reminded of chapter two by our sister Karen. And this morning, I wanted to bring these two chapters, the whole book of Haggai, really to our minds because of some things that we need to do on our way forward. I feel a wee bit like we're a bit like Abraham. As a community of God's people who are called out and loved by God, we've come to worship God, and we know there's things in our future. But at the minute, a wee bit like Abraham, we've stepped out. But when it comes to things like buildings, because we know this is a great facility we have at the moment, but it's only a temporary facility, and that we need to get our roots down, and we need to get a building for ourselves and all of those things. But I do feel we're a wee bit like Abraham. We've set out, and we just don't know where we're going. We don't know where it's going to be, but we have to daily trust God to see where the Lord is going to take us. But there's one lesson that we do need to learn for the church this morning, and it is this. Always we need to keep the Lord first. We need to keep the Lord in front of us, and we always need to follow where He will lead us. A wee bit of history about the book of Haggai. Haggai was written in a period after the fall of Israel to Assyria in 1605 down to about 586. Judah um, was overtaken by Babylon. So Israel was taken by Assyria and Judah was overtaken by Babylon. And that reminds us too this morning, friends. See, when we don't put the Lord first in our lives, when we keep him the center of our lives, that's when things can go wrong for us as believers. We need to keep him central and our focus. And these children of God, because they got their eyes of God, other nations were able to come in and take these people into captivity. When Babylon then fell to Cyprus, um, or Cyrus, sorry, in Persia in 50, or 538 BC, a small contingency of people were allowed to go back to their homeland in Jerusalem. About 50,000 people went back, and these people were to go and to rebuild their community once again. And it was rebuilt like the Wild West. It was a new frontier. A lot of these people that went back actually had never lived in Jerusalem. They were all born in captivity. And then they were going back to what their fathers would have called their homeland. 50,000 of these people went back. And they went back probably a wee bit with trepidation, a wee bit of excitement, and a bit of enthusiasm because they had a mandate. And that mandate again was when they got back to Jerusalem, they were to build the house of God again, a place where they could go and worship their God, bless their God, and be a part of a structured family in the things of God. Plenty of enthusiasm. But you know, friends, as time went on, because of the fact that these people were finding it really difficult to survive, that these guys lost their vision for the house. They lost the vision to build the temple. They got the, 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 the ground done. They got the foundations down, but these people had not went on any further. An 18-year struggle. And then the Lord sent his servant Haggai to them, and he's starting to say to these people, consider your ways. 
consider your ways. And if you look back in chapter 1 and you look at verse 6 there, it says this, you have planted much, you've harvested little, you eat but you have not enough, you drink but you have not at your fill, you put on clothes but you're not warm, you earn wages only to put them in a purse with holes in it. You see, these people have got all their priorities all wrong. Instead of making God first and his work first and everything about God to be the first priority in their lives, these people were starting to worry about themselves and look after themselves. And you know, even many years later, things still had not changed in humanity. Because when Jesus comes and Jesus is speaking to his people, we see in Matthew chapter 6, he has to say to the people, look, don't worry about what you're going to eat about what you're going to wear. The world has enough worries about itself. Take every day as it comes. And then the Lord says to his people, seek ye first the kingdom of God, and all these things are going to be added to you. And you know, in our world, whether you're a believer and a follower of the Lord Jesus Christ or not, friends, the reality is this. If we put ourselves first before everything else, we often find that's when we don't have enough. But when we live with God's mandate and we live with God's commands over our lives, we see in God's order, God then brings blessing. And God's teaching even there, and his son Jesus was teaching, seek first my kingdom, get my kingdom stuff right, and all those other stuff that you worry about, all those other stuff that you need, because I'm your father and I know exactly what you need. When you put all of these things first, I'm going to add all this other stuff to you. But make sure you keep kingdom work first. God gives these people who have struggled so much to get their home life in order, and yet they've forgotten God's house, God gives them a remedy. And if you go into chapter 1 and you look at verse 8, here's the remedy that the Lord gives to these people. He says, go up to the mountains, bring wood to build my temple, that I may take pleasure in it and be glorified. Go up to the mountain, bring the wood, build a temple that I may take pleasure in it and I may be glorified. They have put their concentration into their own cedar paneled houses. And the Lord said, get your focus of your own home, put your focus upon my home. Go and find the resources. Go and get the resources. They themselves were to do the work, and then by doing that and bringing the stuff down from the mountain, that God was going to honor, God was going to bless, and God was going to be glorified in the midst of it. Friend, what mountains do I have to conquer in our lives to put God first? You see, sometimes we think we will never get up in front of that mountain in our lives. And the mountain in front of us is such our focus that we forget to ask Lord Jesus to come and help us over the mountain. What are the mountains that stop you from being where God wants you? And I'm going to talk first of all on a spiritual level and then on a practical level as we consider our way forward as we look to get some money together to build a church. What's the mountain that stops you maybe from coming to life group? Because God wants you built up spiritually. Because first of all, as we look at these passages, and, and, and Nigel's already spoke to us about it from a spiritual aspect, you see, really at the end of the day, the temple of God is us collectively. That's our first priority, that we put the structure in, that we do the things that we have to do to build ourselves up as a people of God, because we're the church, not the building. We're the temple of God. 
And we need to put effort into becoming more like Jesus. And a part of that may be, your mountain might be actually crossing somebody else's home to be involved in life group. Maybe it's insecurity. Maybe it's embarrassment that somebody's going to ask you a question that you don't know how to answer. But you know, friends, in our life groups, we don't run them that way that anybody will ever feel intimidated or anybody will be like they feel they're being asked something and they're going to get embarrassed. We're very sensitive to those things. But the part of doing what we do, friends, is so that we can develop you, that you can be, grow into that temple that God wants you to be. On a practical level, are we thinking through what we can do to make the temple, the physical building? Because as we grow spiritually, we're going to have to have a home to do all our ministries out of. Do we need to go up the mountain? Some of us maybe need to go up into the loft and see if we can get some stuff down that we don't need anymore and give it to Sharon Ray to take over to the, the, the boot sale and sell some stuff to get some money in. We were talking about Liz this morning and the umbrella sale. All those wee things might seem very small. We're talking about getting boxes for people to put some money in, their, their change in. All of those things might seem very small. But as we're going to see in this passage as well, they came and they worked together. And you know, the Lord says, don't despise the day of small things. And even by doing these wee small things now, friends, all of those things can help us to get to that place where we need to be. They work together. They pull together. And you know, friends, to build for us as this community, to find a building, to maintain a building, to look after a building, maybe to build it or purchase, you know, we just can't do that on enthusiasm. We as a church need to be thinking about it. We need to be dedicated to it. We need to work hard. We need to get together side by side. And I believe when we put our hand to this, God will glorify. God will bring blessing. Look at 1 verse 14. And look what it says there. So the Lord stirred up the spirit of Zerubbabel, son of Zilteh, the um, governor of Judea, and the spirit of Joshua, the son of Josedach, and the high priest, and the spirit of the whole remnant of the people, they came and began to work on the house. You see, for us as a community to move on, to build a house, a practical house for us to meet and worship, it just can't be left to a small group of finance guys who are great in our church, who will be thinking about ways of, of how we spend our money and do all of those things. Friends, it has to be collective, and we all have to do our part. When we did a study in Nehemiah a while ago, friends, we realized even in the days of Nehemiah, building the wall, they had to do it shoulder to shoulder. And you might think, friends, that the wee bit that you can do and the wee bit that you can give isn't maybe as worth something that somebody else can give. But let me tell you, in the eyes of God, it's worth something. Do you remember the widow and the mites? The two mites? She had given all she could give. Even though it looks so small, she gave all that she could give. And I want to encourage you to be a part of what we're going to do in our future, to get together to work for God. And yet, friends, it's something too that we do not want to become one of those churches that every Sunday stand up the front talking about money. And every Sunday asking people, will you give money? Friends, you know, even though Jesus talked more about money than he did hell. Did you know that? Jesus talked more about money than he talked about hell. And that was because Jesus knew we needed to have a right attitude about money, but he also knew that we needed to be kingdom people of a generous spirit to work to see the kingdom grow. And that's why he talked about money. 
And yet sometimes it's nearly like a dirty word in church. It's the love of money is the root of all evil, not money. But we need to get our priorities right. And even for a way for us not to have to speak about money all the time in church is that we're sensible within our giving. You know the Bible teaches on tithing. We give our 10% to the work of God to run the work of God. But now we've got our building fund account up and running, friends. We can set an amount of money. All of us could set an amount of money aside every month above our tithe, and we can commit that even through a bank order to the building fund account. Friends, it's us coming side by side to look at our future to see what God will do. And when we do it, God will bring the blessing. Friends, they were only ended one month and there was a wee bit of discouragement. Who knows within a group of people there will always be a negative thinker, isn't there? No matter what walk of life, there's always somebody in the office who's the negative one. Everything's a problem. There's always a discouragement. They're a wee bit like Eeyore, aren't they? You know, it's always them. Everything's going wrong. And that's it. And you know, and even in this, in the work of God, there were those who became negative in their thinking. And the children of Israel knew all about this because way back when they were promised this amazing land flowing of milk and honey, and God had said to them, go and enter the land. Do you remember the 12 spies? Remember the wee song, 10 were bad, 2 were good. 10 of the guys went in and they saw that the lamb was good. They saw the pomegranates. They saw the size of the clusters of the grape. They thought this was all great. And then above the size of the grapes, they started to see the size of some of those boys. Those people that lived in the land that they were to go and take authority over, and they get frightened. And yet two of these boys come back, and they were like, yes, God has said we can do this. Let's do it. And you know, friends, even as we go forward, whatever happens for us for a building, God might show us something that might seem in the natural, out of our realm of thinking, out of our ability to get but if God has said it'll be ours, friends, we need to start believing and claim it and go for it. Because God is able and God is mighty. Let's not be a negative people, but let's be a positive people to think of good things. Now, what happened in this circumstance was this. There were still people that were there of those 50,000 who saw the first temple being built, that saw and worshipped in this temple of Solomon. And some of these people were starting to say to these younger people who were born in captivity, do you know, this temple's not as big as the other one. See the stuff that we're creating for the insides of this temple, the ornate stuff? They're not a patch on what was in Solomon's temple. And those around them, those younger guys, are starting to look at it and think to themselves, do you know, my goodness, if this isn't as good as the other temple, what's the point of doing it? And they were getting discouraged in their souls. And Haggai again had to come and encourage the people. And the Lord started to say, and three times we see it in chapter 2, verse 3 to 4, he starts to say to, to Zerubbabel and to, to, to um, Joshua, he starts to say, be strong, be strong. And to the people of God, he says, be strong. You can do it. This is what I've ordered. This is what I've want." You can do this, and you will be able to do it. Be strong and hard. Yes, friends, the temple was going to be smaller. The temple was not going to be as ornate as the previous temple, but God had a better plan. 
Because God was going to fill that place with His glory. And you know, friends, 500 years later, after that building was completed, the Son of God physically stood in that temple. The glory of God physically stood in the temple. And one of the things that we learn from Haggai is this, friends. It's not to do about how big your building is. It's not how ornate the building has been built. The lovely trappings, deep pile carpet or whatever, those things, friends, are not important. What's important is the presence of God. That we create, and that's why we call our building front Operation Sheepshed. Because, friends, it's about building a shed that we can nurture young Christian lambs in Christ and, and to encourage them on in the things of God. A practical building to do the ministry of God because it's not about the building. It's about the people in the building. It's about pouring our resources more. Yes, we need a building, but we want to pour our resources into training people and discipling people and loving people beyond building an auditorium that could take over our lives. We want something that we can build simply, that we can have simply, for our focused friends must be upon the glory of the Lord. You know, their discouragement just didn't stop there. Their discouragement went even further. Just one month in, and people were saying, ah, it's not as good as the other one. But you know, in a work that takes time, you have to go into it with your eyes wide open. Um, I love programs on the TV to do with renovation, renovating homes and Home Under the Hammer and all those. Anybody else like those? There's more people like that on X Factor? Yeah? Okay, okay. But I love all those programs, you know. I love looking at those magazines and, you know, seeing transformations within homes and all of those. But all of us know, and, and last night after did a wee bit of work, I had a cup of tea and I, I watched a wee bit of program. And, you know, it was the frustration that one family was going through as they extended their semi-detached home. And things not fitting in at the right time and workmen not turning up at the right time. Uh, any workmen in the house this morning? Make sure you turn up on time for your customers. Yeah. But the frustration that goes along with that. I think there is going to be something for us that we need to be careful of as a church that we don't fall into the trap of trying to run ahead of God. His ways are higher than our ways. And friends, it would be lovely for us to be able to say to you today, next Sunday we're walking out of this facility and we're walking into a brand new one. Unless there's a miracle, that ain't happening. But the following Sunday is going to be our second building fund Sunday, and we can give to that for whatever God has for us. And like I said, a wee bit like Abraham, we don't know where we're going. We don't know where we'll get a plot of land and we'll have to build on, or will we build or have a, a, go to an old church and redo it, or you know, go to a factory somewhere and make that into a We just don't know just now. And that's where the discouragement could come in, in the waiting and the not knowing. And how long will that take? But you know, church, God has got it in hand. His ways are higher than our ways. And when it's the right time, God will bring. They sang a lovely song, was it last Sunday, about the waiting? It's in the waiting. And we know that's a spiritual song talking about waiting on God. But you know, even in what God has for us in our futures, each point, for a physical home, 
rather than enduring the ride, let's enjoy the ride. Let's see how God's going to do it and the way he'll do it. And let's be surprised by his goodness as we go on through this. Um, I love sometimes the way the Bible, there's symmetry. Now, when the Bible was written, it wasn't written the way that um, it's written for us today in chapters and verses. But those who put the chapter and the verses in, I think God had a hand in it as well. Come with me and see chapter 1, verse 8. Chapter 1, verse 8 says about, Go up to the mountain and bring down the timber, build the house, so that I may take pleasure and I may be honored in it. That's God saying to us, Look, don't be discouraged about time stuff. Just be obedient. Go and do what you can do. And I'm joking. I'm not joking, actually. Go up to the loft. That's maybe your mountain. Get up into that loft and see if there's stuff that you can sell off. You know, to help with the building project and all of those things. But what the Bible's saying here, you do your part. But look over in chapter 2 verse 8. See the symmetry here? God says, go up the mountain and you do your part. And then look what he says in chapter 2 verse 8. He says this, the silver is mine and the gold is mine, declares the Lord Almighty. You see, friends, be encouraged because this is it. See, if we do our part, if we wait patiently and we bless God and we honor God and we give what we can give, God then will honor us. There used to be an old farmer and he was really, really wealthy. And people used to say to him, how come you've got all this money? And he said this, well, I shovel in to God's barn and God shovels back into me. But God's shovel's bigger than mine. Yeah. And friends, when we bless God and we are obedient and we do what God calls us to do, God will meet us there. The silver is mine and the gold is mine. And just wait to see how the Lord did it for these people. Because these people, they're here, they're discouraged, they're thinking, how, you know, you know, we can hardly build our own homes and we've had concentrated on our homes maybe for too long and we're now getting into this and we'll probably look at this sometime along the way. You know, we're living in days of uncertainty with Brexit and, you know, apparently the interest rates, typical interest rates start to go up when I start to move home. It's not just Murphy's Law for you. After a decade of low interest, I decide to sell my home, and then they shove them up. That's just typical. But listen, even though we're in this period, and I talked to you about this before, let's not forget that we've got a supernatural God. We have seen over the years how God has blessed us in the churches that we have led, how God has honored a big Phil's here this morning from Dremore, and Phil and I could tell you stories in Dremore, how God, from a small community of people, we paid our mortgage off five years early within our church. We were able to extend the building. Every target we set financially in Dremore got met. There were times we looked at some of the offerings and thought, where on earth did that come from? God just blessed. God is a supernatural God. The piece of land that the Dremore Church bought beside them, they had one point sold it off as a dilapidated house. They couldn't afford even the money to be able to pull it down, and they had to sell it off to build a wee extension at the back of the building. When we were there, we were able to buy back that, that piece of land and more land for less than it was so far in the first place. God is good. At one point, they were looking at half a million for it, and I think we paid 50,000 or 55,000, 65,000 for it. 
They were looking half a million a year before, and then we paid 65,000. God was in it, church. And friends, I want to inspire you and encourage you for our way forward as a building, that God will be in it. And here, the children of Israel, they were thinking, how on earth do we get this done? And, you know, there was people coming saying that you'll never be able to do it. And then there was people outside the camp who started to get at them. Come with me to Ezra and see what the Lord did. Ezra chapter 6, and listen to this. These people were moaning about what the children of Israel were doing. But this is the decree that Darius made. Moreover, verse 6, I hereby decree that you are to do for these elders of the Jews in the construction of the house of God. Their expenses are to be fully paid out of royal treasury from the revenues of the trans-Euphrates, so the work will not stop. Whatever is needed, young bulls, rams, male lambs, or for burnt offerings to the God of heaven, and wheat, salt, wine, olive oil, is requested by the priests in Jerusalem, must be given them daily without fail so that they may offer sacrifices pleasing to God of heaven and pray for the well-being of the king and their sons. Furthermore, I decree that if anyone defiles this edict, a beam is to be pulled from their house and they are to be impaled upon it. For the crime, their house is to be made a pile of rubble. May God who caused his name to dwell there overthrow any king or people who lifts a hand to change the decree or destroy the temple of Jerusalem. I, Darius, have decreed it let it be carried out with diligence. Here was a group of people that before, every time they went to the vat of wine to get wine, they thought there was 50 units in it, there was only 20. Every time they went to put their hand in their pocket, there was no money there, had it all gone. Why? Because they put themselves first before God. And yet now when these people were putting God first and honoring God and being obedient to what God had called them to do, to build the temple, even those that mocked them, the Lord made those people provide the lambs and the rams and the wheat and the salt, everything for them free of charge. Isn't our God good? Amen. Get a bit excited, church, this morning. Isn't our God good? Yeah. And church for us, it encourages us as this community of East Point, whatever the Lord has for us ahead of us with regards to a physical building, God will meet us at our need. But our part is to do the best we can. Our part is to give the best we can, to give over our tithes and our offering into the building fund and allow God then to take that and allow his silver and his gold to take over to do the rest for us. Friends, quite quickly and simply to bring this all down, there's a final part of this prophecy that we read in Haggai this morning, and it was where... Um, Basically, Haggai was brought to the people and was encouraged to, to talk about what seemed to be a bit of a strange thing about, you know, well, if there's a bit of meat that is consecrated to the Lord and if bread touches it or wine touches it, does it become clean or unholy? If a, a person touches a dead person, do they become defiled? And, you know, and when you read it, it's a wee bit hard to understand. But let me just say this. Do you remember we talked about the wee series of holiness that we did about us being a holy people set apart unto God? Because God wants to share his life with us, okay? But you know, what the Lord was trying to teach the people here was quite simply this. Because they were building the temple, because they were going to worship in the temple, that would not make them holy. What would make them holy 
was the fact that God had said, I have chosen to bless you. And here's another wee thing that we need to learn. It's quite simply this, church. Whatever the Lord has for us in our future, no matter what we build, no matter what scale our building may be, no matter what goes on in our future, it will happen because God chose to bless us. Not because we were holy great people and we gave all that money. It would be because God chose to bless us. And that's why as a church, one of our values is always the presence of God. We value his presence. It's not about our abilities. Just like you will know before you became a Christian, it was nothing to do of your works because our works are like filthy rags. It's nothing to do of who you are or what you've been. It's all down to God's grace and his mercy. We are where we are today because God chose to bless us. And that's why we need to be ever thankful and ever grateful for all that God will do and is going to do among us. Let me just pull it all together in this last wee minute. What do we need to do now, church? We need to go up the mountain. We need actively now to start thinking ahead our first, second Sunday, um, for our second, um, sorry, let me get this right. We already had our first offering, haven't we? And it was great. God bless this. But our second offering will be held now on the first Sunday of November. So the first Sunday of every November, we're going to bring an offering into the house to go towards the building fund for our future. But let's not see the mountain. Let's not worry about, oh, you know, maybe some of you genuinely can only put £5 away a month for the building fund. Don't look at that £5 and think, oh, sure, look at that, what's that going to ever do? God does not despise the small things. Don't let the mountain off. Property is so dear. Buildings are so, Brexit is coming in. How are we as a small community of loving God's people, how are we ever going to get our own building? Let not that mountain be ahead of us. Because God is faithful. God will provide. God will meet us at our need. Let's work together, shoulder to shoulder, and allow God to move and do what he has to do. We will face discouragement. You never put your hand to the plow in this life. Didn't Jesus say, you're going to be in trouble? You're going to have trouble. But even in our trouble, even in the stuff that we will come to discourage us, you know, even in all the stuff that I've ever done over the 26 years of, of getting buildings for churches and, and extending buildings, there's always something that happens. People don't turn up when they're supposed to turn up. There's, you know, you go to the um, planning department and you say to the planning department, kind of this and that, and they come back and say, no, you have to have it half the size, you really want it. And all of those things, you, you go and you submit, you know, um, an idea to an architect and they come back and what you thought was going to cost 50,000 costs 500,000. It's all of those things that we're going to face ahead of us. But what we know is this, God is faithful. And God wants us to have our own permanent spiritual home. So God will bless us. And it may take a wee bit longer than maybe we may anticipate. It may not. But we need to keep Christ first and know that he will get us there in the right place. Be a part of it. Verse 1, or chapter 1, verse 8, they work together. Be strong and work together. Pray about it. Ask God to bless us. 
Ask God to lead us as a leadership team when we have to make all these decisions. Be a part of it. Encourage one another to be in this for God's honor and for God's glory. And the last thing, remember, it's always about His grace and His presence. And you know, even in doing it side by side, looking for a building and, you know, looking to what we do, we do all things to the glory of God. It's always about Him. And if we keep Him number one in it, God will bring blessing in every single thing that we do. So East Point, will we be strong? Will we go for it? Will we see what the Lord's going to do? Amen. Bless the Lord. Well, we're going to sing our last song and we're going to take up our tithes and our offering onto the Lord. But let's come and worship God and let's know that the Lord has stuff for us in our future. And the Lord will bless. And the Lord